Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hey, and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple in Under 10 Minutes. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by my partner, Dan Kruger. Today, we're going to be simplifying the concept of vacancy in under 10 minutes. We're going to be talking economic vacancy and physical vacancy, what it is, why is it important, and without further ado, let's get into it. Dan, take it away. What is physical vacancy? What are we referring to there? That is a, an open unit. So if you've ever driven by a motel, I don't know if they do this anymore, but they usually have a little thing that says vacancy, yes or no, or something. That's, maybe that's just movies from the 90s. I don't know. But a physical vacancy is a vacant unit, meaning there's no person in there leasing it. You might have a squatter. I don't know. But there's no one leasing the unit. Economic vacancy is a different thing because sometimes you can have, uh, and this is very important if you're uh, out there looking for properties. Having a body in a unit doesn't necessarily mean that that person is actually paying their rent. So economic vacancy is sometimes used kind of synonymously with uh, the term collections. So if someone asks, you know, what are your collections like? That's pretty much the same question as saying, what's your economic vacancy, if any? Like if you've got 10 units in a 10-unit building, each one is leased up for $1,000 a month, are you actually getting thousand bucks a month from each person or is one guy only giving you 950 or 900 just and accruing a past due balance so that in a nutshell is what physical and economic vacancy slash collections is referring to so the economic vacancy to put that in like a slightly different term it refers to the proportion of the gross potential income that's collected so if we have 10 units and each one's renting out at a thousand dollars then the gross potential income of that property is ten thousand dollars if we're only collecting nine thousand dollars per month let's say one unit just isn't paying or let's say a couple of units are they're behind and they've only paid a portion for whatever reason we're only getting nine thousand dollars of that ten thousand dollar gpi gross potential income and so that means our economic vacancy is 90%. We're only collecting 90% of the total. That's going to be different than the physical vacancy. So in the same example, we have those 10 units are all filled up. Just for the sake of action, I think that would actually, your your economic occupancy would be 90% and your economic vacancy would be 10%. Oh, I'm drunk over here, people. What do you want? It was right, but it was just inverted a little bit. Yeah, you're going to hear the words economic occupancy, economic vacancy. I uh, inverted those two in that instance. So to compare that against physical vacancy, if we have those same 10 units and all 10 are filled, then we're 100% physically occupied. Awesome. Maybe if maybe two of those are vacant, then we're only at 80% occupied or 20% vacant. Did I get it right that time? Yes. And I think this part is you know important for investors to ask the operators about because this probably isn't going to be something that's glaringly obvious 
in a deal package or an offering memorandum, usually people are going to look at vacancy in a very simplistic way and say, okay, how many, how many units are leased up? Are there any units that are unleased? But a really important question is, especially if you're looking at value-add deals that are in gentrified neighborhoods, or if you're getting a product from kind of like a mom-and-pop operation, something that isn't uncommon is smaller, poor operators, if they want to sell a building, it's not uncommon for them to start shoving people in there to fill up the units so that they look like they're 100% occupied. The way to get around this is to look at the T12 or the T3 or the T6, basically the trailing couple months or year of actual financials and bump that up against the bank statements if you can get them and see if that money is actually showing up in the bank. Because if it is, then you're fine. But if you see you know, that example that Anthony laid out there illustrated, hey, you're, you say you're 100% occupied, we should be getting 10 grand a month consistently you're only seeing 9,000 to 9,500 in here, you know, so we've got some economic vacancy that is hiding in there. So it's a sneaky little thing. Another term that I want to throw in here in the 11th hour, which is also pretty helpful to understand is the break-even occupancy. And it kind of ties in because the break-even occupancy tells us what's the minimum occupancy rate required to cover all of a property's expenses. So let's say our break-even occupancy is in debt service. Well, when we talk about property expenses, yeah, that's a we're talking holistically, every everything, the whole shebang, all of our outgoing outflows. Yeah, that's an important one because honestly, the debt's going to be the biggest portion contributing to the break-even occupancy. And debt service too. Just, yeah. They want their money. But the break-even occupancy, let's say on a deal is say 70%. That mm-hmm. means you could afford to only collect 70% of the GPI, the gross potential income, and you would still be making enough to cover all the the monthly expenses. Just dip below that, no good. Go above that, great, now you're making money. Yeah, so you're not just looking at your, your OPEX. So just want to clarify that. Understanding that break-even occupancy compared against economic vacancy. Sometimes those numbers get a little bit closer than uh, feels good. Yeah, you'll probably notice that quite a bit when you're looking at newer A-class properties, very high-dollar properties, those typically, you know, have to be pretty full. So, you know, this is a good one to to ask about. I'd say maybe half the time you might see that this data, the, the break-even occupancy actually in a deal package or offering memorandum. So if it's not in there, ask. Because it's a very, it could be a very telling metric because you get to find out exactly how much wiggle room these operators have. Their break-even occupancy is at 90%, then there's not a lot of room for something to go wrong or any unexpected things like, oh, I don't know, COVID or something like that. Someone with that kind of break-even is is not going to weather any storm very well. I, I'm going to propose we officially rename the break-even occupancy to the wiggle room rate. It just tells you how much wiggle room. The wiggle, wiggle rate. rate. <laughs> yeah, the wiggle rate. How much wiggle room do you have on the deal? And- that can be very, very helpful because if you're flying too close to the sun and you don't have a safety net, your wings are probably going to melt and the end result is going to be catastrophic. So Interesting analogy. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but hey, look at that. We have simplified the uh, 
physical and economic vacancy and a bonus break-even occupancy in under 10 minutes. If that isn't worthy of a five-star review over on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, dear listener, then I, I don't know what you need from us. Maybe go leave a review and tell us what you need from us. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, I, see, I did that. All right. So that's... <laughs> I'm crazy. All right. So before you guys do leave, please, please, please do us a favor. Actually, do go leave a review. We'd really appreciate that. And we'll catch you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.